are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you had a great weekend on this Monday. We are going to talk a little bit about college football. I know you're like, huh? I know. But hey, we're getting close to spring games. Anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk about probably the biggest story of the weekend, and that's that spring training started in baseball, which means the new rules went into effect and already shit going down. It's really interesting to look at, and I've dug into some of the numbers for you. Also, an absolutely wild weekend in college basketball. The amount of game-tying half-court shots and game-winning half-court shots and 35-footers, it was prevalent all weekend in both men's and women's college basketball, and we are heading into my favorite time of the sports calendar. Conference tournaments start today. We got four of them today, some starting tomorrow. We got one starting today, three more starting tomorrow, and a bunch of other ones starting later this week. Two weeks of conference tournament action, and then we got the big dance in the middle of March. So I will get to all of that momentarily. All right, real quick note, starting off with college football, and I know that nothing's really going on in college football Spring practices have started. I think spring games aren't until March, some are even in April. But I saw an interview with Deion Sanders, who is now the new head coach at the University of Colorado. And say what you will about Dion, he's going to bring eyeballs to that program, if not turn them around very, very quickly. Because remember, after next year, UCLA and USC are gone. You can't tell me that after two or three years, Colorado – could win the Pac-12? They absolutely could. I know that they've got a tough schedule this year, but Dion is going to turn it around there. And their turnaround has technically already happened because he did an interview and he was talking about when their spring game is. I don't know the date of their spring game. People in Colorado would know. But last year, first off, Colorado was one of the worst programs in all of college football last year, if not the worst. I mean, they were terrible. There have been a terrible program, and they've been irrelevant on the college football scene for 15, 20 years now. They just haven't been good. Anyway, Dion was talking about his spring game this year. Last year, before he got there, obviously, their spring game drew 2,000 fans, and all those fans came for free. They didn't charge anything. This year, because Dion has taken over the program, There is some serious renewed interest in the program. He has said that right now they've already sold. Last year, 2,000 came for free. This year, they've sold 31,000 tickets for a fucking spring game. Now, those of you in SEC country are like, Steve, big deal. Alabama gets 80,000 of their spring game. Yes, they do. They've also been dominant for the last 15 years. This is the Colorado Buffaloes who were terrible last year and have been terrible for 10 years. You make the right hire, you get enough splash, you get enough buzz around your program, and I'm telling you, Dion is going to win there. He just is. The guy is a leader of men. Have you seen some of the TikTok clips? Have you seen some of the Instagram reels of him talking to his players? The guy just relates to today's athlete, and that's so much more than X's and O's. He's going to get guys around him who know all the X's and O's. Dion is there. 
to get kids to play for him. Kids that would never think of going to play at Colorado because they'd rather play at a much bigger school. He's going to get some of the guys. They are going to be good. They were 1-11 this year. I would not be surprised if they were at least 500 next year. They could easily pull off six wins. I've seen their schedule. Yes, it's tough, but I don't think it's going to take Dion. I don't think he's going to go 3-9 and nine this year. I think they're going to be a 500 team at worst. So I'm already looking at the Colorado over for next year. I don't know what the total has been set at, but I think I'm going over because I think Vegas will have them around four or five, maybe five and a half. I think I'm going to go over. Anyway, moving on, I want to talk a little baseball because, as you know, this past weekend, spring training games started. And the biggest thing is now the pitch clock in Major League Baseball. Baseball games have been taking way too long. The time of games has been through the roof. It's been climbing and climbing, and batting averages are going down. And so what they said was, we need to speed this game up. It's too slow. Frankly, it's too boring. But anything to speed it up a little bit. So what they're doing is, if nobody's on base, the pitcher can't take more than 15 seconds to throw the ball his next pitch after he receives the catch from receives uh, the ball from the catcher. So once it's in his glove, you see a pitch clock start and count down from 15 seconds. If someone's on base, he gets 20 seconds. Now, the two games that were played on Friday, the first two spring training games of the season on Friday, Padres Mariners took two hours and 29 minutes. Rangers and Royals took two hours and 33 minutes. Well, that was just two games on Friday, but already a significant decrease. Yes, small sample. But I went into yesterday, and I just went to the box scores from yesterday, and I pulled out, what, uh, about 10 games. And look at these times on the games. Yankees, 7-0 winners, 2 hours and 16 minutes. Nationals, 3-2 winners, 2 hours, 7 minutes. Red Sox, 7-6 winners, 2 hours, 39 minutes. Orioles, 10-6 winners, 2 hours, 46 minutes. Phillies, 10-8, 3 hours, 6 minutes. Cardinals, 8-2, 2 hours, 26 minutes. Met 6 to 3, 2 hours 28 minutes. Dodgers 94 254, Angels 7 nothing, 2 hours 36 minutes. Padres won 18 to 6, 3 hours and 3 minutes. The average time of game last year in Major League Baseball was 3 hours and 3 minutes. Every single one of those that I just read you that were played yesterday, except for one, the Phillies won 10-8, took that one took 3 hours and 6 minutes. Everyone else was three hours and three minutes or less, which was last year's average. Some of those were 40 minutes less than last year's average. So basically what I've noticed in the first three days of spring training games is this. If you get a high-scoring game, yes, the game's probably going to be between two hours and 45 minutes and three hours. But it's not going to be three and a half or four, which is what they were usually lasting. An 18-6 Padres game, they pounded out 20 hits and it still only took three hours and three minutes. I was watching one of the games, and holy shit. I mean, it's crazy because it really, you really, really notice a difference. I mean, this is a fundamental change in a sport that we've been watching forever. This is going to change the sport. Yes, they've done it at the minor league levels, but who watches minor league baseball? Nobody. Now it's come to the major league level. Like, we are going to see such a significant drop in game time. 
And some of you purists out there and some of you that are old timers and love the game of baseball and don't care how much it takes. Okay, I get it. But I'm sorry. Baseball is getting their ass kicked by the NBA and the NFL. They had to do this. They have to. Because it's only getting worse for them. Now, because the games are knocking off an average of probably 15 to 20 minutes a game, does that mean it's going to surpass the NBA and the NFL? No, it's not going to. Because in general, it's just way too boring of a sport. It's just got way less action in it and way less scoring than the other two. So I think what you're looking at is just a way to not be completely bored with the game. Hell, when I was watching the game on Friday, I can't remember which one it was. As a viewer, we could see the pitch clock in the background and see the countdown from when he caught the ball. However, on Saturday, I was watching a game for an inning and you could see the screen of the clock, but the clock wasn't doing any sort of countdown. So I went online and it seems to be mixed reviews of whether or not us as the viewers are always going to see the countdown clock when we're watching a baseball game now at, at home. Not obviously if you're in the park, you'll be able to see the clock by looking at the scoreboard. But us at home on every game that I watch, am I going to see the clock? Because I think it needs to be universal. I don't think some teams should do it and some teams not. For me, I want to see the clock because then it just makes it sporty and fun. Like, I'm just sitting there going, like, I want to see a violation. I want to see the pitcher take forever. Or I want to see him, you know, get called a ball. And I'm sure you saw it. It was all over the highlights. I can't remember what game it was. I know the Red Sox were involved. But it was crazy. It was 6-6, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, three and two count, two outs. And... We talked about this last week when we were talking about this pitch clock. Yes, the pitcher has 20 seconds to throw the ball. He has to be in his windup before that clock expires. The other thing is, though, the batter can't be dilly-dallying around there in the box. The batter has to be looking at the pitcher by the eight-second mark. He can't be looking at his bat, fixing his belt, scratching his nuts. Can't do any of that. Well, you can, but you have to do it before eight seconds. At the eight-second mark, if you are not in your batting stance, looking at the pitcher, it's an automatic strike. And that's what happened. They called it. And in spring training, they don't do extra innings because there's no need to waste time. So the game just ended in a tie. But the pitcher was ready to throw the ball, and the batter wasn't looking at the pitcher at the eight-second mark, and the umpire called a strike, and it was strike three. So the inning ended, bottom of the ninth. That was crazy. Now, some of you are like, are they really going to call that in the World Series if that same situation happened? We'll see how this season goes. I think there's going to be a time and a place for everything. I think they're going to be a little more lenient, but I could be wrong. Maybe they are going to be sticklers because the only way it's going to get enforced is if the umpires are sticklers for this and absolutely call out hitters who aren't ready at the eight-second mark or pitchers who haven't started their windup by the time the clock goes off. But it's going to be fascinating to watch. Like, this renews my interest in baseball. Yeah, I'm probably not going to sit through too many nine-inning games on television. But will I absolutely tune in just to see someone? I mean, I'm tuning in to see if somebody gets a violation. That's what I want. And and in a critical situation. Yeah, it sucked that the umpire called that. But, hey, that's the new rule. If you're not ready by eight seconds, strike. 
It just so happened that that game was tied. The bases were loaded. It was a 3-2 count, and it was the bottom of the ninth. But, hey, they're really doing, making an effort to be like, we got to speed up baseball. It is too fucking slow. And it is. I'm sorry, it is. And I'm sure there's purists out there that disagree and say, I don't care how long a baseball game takes. Mm, I think you might. Because especially when you see before this year, all the step-offs off the mound, the hitters taking time out in the box, stepping out of the box, just so much dead time in a baseball game that literally it makes you pull your hair out. Well, not anymore. It's like just watching the catcher throw the ball back to the pitcher, which which what I noticed, all the catchers are like lobbing it back <laughs> just to just to squeeze as much time as possible out of uh, before the clock starts. But that pitcher catches the ball and no more walking around the mound. I didn't see too many pitchers going to the rosin bag. If they did, they had to speed it up. But that pitcher is getting the ball back and getting right back there on the bump, getting ready to throw the ball. It is it's like speed dating, but baseball. <laughs> like it's go like you're gonna notice it. I don't know if any of you caught any of the spring training games this weekend. You're gonna notice it. It is it's almost it, it almost seems super fast now. It's almost like, wow, this is going way fast. And the thing is, you're just looking at it from past seasons where you're so used to pictures taking their sweet ass time. Now you're seeing there's a pitch clock. Nobody's on base. That 15 seconds, by the time you catch the ball, turn around and put your foot on the rubber and dig your foot into the rubber, you're already at 10, already roughly at eight seconds. So you've got to start your windup within those next eight seconds. It's crazy. I I enjoyed it. So I'm I'm curious. I know a lot of players need to have time to get used to this. Clearly the batter who got called a strike on in the bottom of the ninth and didn't even get a chance to swing the bat or win a game for his team because he wasn't ready at the eight-second mark, that is, that is nuts. Um, but, hey, the umpires are doing their job, and they called it. But, man, that was fascinating. And let's end with some college basketball. Did you see some of the games this weekend? I spent two whole days watching college basketball this weekend, and I couldn't have been more entertained if this is if what we saw this weekend is any indication of what we're going to get during March Madness. Oh, my gosh. It'll be the best March Madness we've ever had. Three games that I saw were won on shots that were over 30 feet away from the basket as the buzzer went off. Not like, oh, they hit it and there was still one second left. No, it was this shot doesn't go in, the team loses. Florida State beat Miami after Miami hits a shot with like three seconds left to go up two. Florida State inbounds it. Maybe it was like three or four seconds. Dribbled up the court and hit an off-balance 35-footer to beat Miami. Mind you, I don't know if you know anything about these two teams, Miami is going to be a two- or three-seed in the NCAA tournament, and FSU basketball has hit rock bottom this year. They suck. They were 9-20 and 20 going into that game, not to mention Miami was up 23 at half at home, and they got beat by FSU. Arizona State, down two, two seconds left. Inbound the ball. The guy takes one or two dribbles, heaves it up behind half court, makes it, and they win 89-88. San Diego State, down down one to New Mexico with two, three seconds left. Again, inbounded the ball, 
Guy dribbles up. I think well, it was probably like six seconds left because he got to about three or four feet behind the three-point line. Straight away, nailed it. They won at the buzzer. Another crazy game. Iowa. I've never seen anything like this. I've seen a team down 10 with a minute left come back and win. I remember Duke did it against Maryland years ago. But Iowa was down 10 with 38 seconds left and tied Michigan State and then won in overtime. Michigan, yesterday, their center, Hunter Dickinson, who literally I've never seen. He's, okay, he shoots threes, but on an inbound pass with 1.5 left, something ridiculous, catches the ball, heaves it up from about five or six feet behind the three-point line, ties it up as the buzzer goes off. They win in overtime. And in two women's games, I know you didn't see this. I wasn't watching it, but I saw the highlight. Memphis beats SMU on a three-pointer at the buzzer. This is women's college basketball at SMU. Memphis hits a three-pointer at the buzzer from probably 35 feet out. They win it. And then the Iowa-Wisconsin game, which is two top 10 teams in women's college basketball. Iowa's number six in the country. Indiana was number two. Iowa's Caitlin Clark, who's literally the best shooter in college basketball for women, hits a, again, they had an inbounds play at half court, 1.3 left. She catches it, turns, shoots, probably 36, 38 feet away, and hits it as the buzzer goes off. That's six. I mean, they, I've never seen it in one weekend. I've never seen that many shots in one weekend as the buzzer goes off and that many teams either tied it at the buzzer or won it outright. Crazy, crazy-ass weekend. Man, I am so excited for March Madness. Things are starting to square up for me. As I told you on Friday, we've got these net ratings of only eight teams currently fit the criteria that the last 20 national championships champions have all have all fit you know you got teams like UCLA you got teams like Creighton you got teams like Alabama by the way did you see what Alabama did holy so we all know the story Brandon Miller look Alabama looks like he's going to play the rest of the season and if you watched Alabama play Arkansas this past weekend Maybe you saw how good Brandon Miller is. Like he's going to be, first off, he's going to be the first college player picked because we all know the first pick in the draft is going to be Victor Wembanyama from France, who's seven foot five and is a freak of nature. Brandon Miller is going to be the first college player taken in the draft, and if you watch Alabama play, he is awesome, awesome. Yet he was kind of an accessory to murder. You know. I don't even know if that's the definition of accessory to murder. People are going to dispute this all day long. Like I said, there's so many things that we still don't know. But while we are still in this quote unquote don't know phase, me personally and a lot of other talking heads in the media definitely think he should not be playing. But Alabama is deciding we are going to let him play. He is quote unquote innocent based on all the interviews that he's done with police and all the interviews we've done with him. Okay, whatever. Anyway, during the opening introductions of the starting lineups, he gets to the end of the line and one of his teammates frisks him. You know, he puts his hands up behind his head and the teammate pats him down. Now, number one, that is a common basketball entrance. 
in terms of what other players do during starting lineups. I've seen that done a thousand times before. However, read the room, Alabama. How in the world did you think that was a smart thing to do? Yes, it is a common, common starting lineup introduction that I've seen so many times. It's just the guy gets introduced, he runs to the end of the line, and one of his teammates pats him down. Like, hey, man, you're all good. You're good to go. You know, that's what it is. That's what it means. But in that situation, you can't pat down Brandon Miller, you dumbass. Someone's dead. Now, maybe they weren't thinking. They clearly weren't. And the head coach, again, had to apologize. I'm not blaming Nate Oates for that. He has no control. He doesn't know. You know, he doesn't say, okay, this is how we're going to do our introductions. You guys do your own thing. I mean, you've seen NBA player introductions. You've seen college player introductions. They've got all these things that they do, wild dances. They get in a circle. They jump around, whatever the case may be. But the pat down is a common, common starting lineup introduction that I've seen so many times. But in this situation, you can't do it to Brandon Miller. Alabama did it. They had to release a statement. The coach had to apologize for that, as he should have. But come on, Bama, read the room. That was just so bad. Such a bad look. Anyway, can't wait for college basketball to start conference tournaments this week. Like I said, I think one starts today. The A-Sun starts today. The Horizon and the Patriot and Sunbelt start tomorrow. Plenty of others start this weekend. Ugh. My favorite time of year, people. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated when you do that. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!